This episode of Extraordinary Excellence is sponsored by the Phoenix Manifesto, How to Rise from the Ashes, book I wrote a few years ago. I actually wrote it in 24 hours, all the content. Uh, a company we partnered with did the actual typesetting, but the, all the profits of that go to Operation Impact, which supports all different initiatives and charities. Now involves thousands of people. We've re- raised over $300,000 the last few years, given over 1,000 children Christmas and underprivileged homes, and we're currently working on many different initiatives initiatives with the with several different causes that are very close to our hearts but you can get that at phoenixevolution.co uh, buy that book there i'll make sure i hand sign every copy that you buy from me and if you use the code eoe we'll include a second copy for free so thanks so much and here comes your episode of extraordinary excellence All right, here we are on official start here with a guy that was on Times Square advertisement. I don't know how many millions of people had to see this sexy guy. <laughs> Those abs. On the dog pound <laughs> advertisement. But That was awesome. We're going to introduce you guys. Here we are back, episode on the Extraordinary Excellence Podcast. Nailed where excellence it. is created by doing ordinary things extra. I think I did it, Sean. I think that was good. I think that Episode was it. Episode 9,362, we got I it. I think that was it. That, Ladies and gentlemen, just so you guys know, that is my co-host, Anthony Spark. We got Darian Gray, the knowledge back. Oh, knowledge back. He's got a knowledge, knowledge back. He's got a back full of we knowledge. We got a knowledge backhoe up in this. <laughs> First position <laughs> I've ever had. <laughs> knowledge back. <laughs> it's like a bar back. He's a knowledge back. <laughs> that's, that's a We're one. a knowledge tender. He's a knowledge back. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you can go back, though, to introducing this this uh, amazing individual, awesome dude. I'll, I'll throw it back to you. Catch. So this guy is um, you can you can't even talk about his accolades because they're too private. But he is a celebrity trainer. Uh, but before he got there, he has a BA in management studies from the University of the West in- Indies. He was a vice chancellor's ambassador to the University of the West Indies. Uh, he helped to organize and raise awareness with HIV and AIDS prevention, as long as natural disaster mitigation. He was ambassador for the governor general in 2011. He was co-founder and president of the Current Affairs Club in the West Indies. He won the 2011 edition for the Caribbean Fashion Face, which was the most prestigious modeling competition in the Caribbean. He's been on TV shows. He, uh, he interviewed to be on Dr. Oz. He's been on Dr. Oz, America's Next Top Model, Auction Network, BBC. He's trained a lot of A-list celebrities who are not allowed Wild. to mention, um, <laughs> but you would know them. They are A-A-A-list, and he Top is... Tier. Yeah, top tier. He's sought after. And more important than that, he's a great Christian guy that's got strong moral values. He's a family man. He's a husband. And he's just an amazing friend. He got, writes great poems. He's yeah. got a lot of talents, this guy. <laughs> he's the coolest so, Jamaican guy I've ever met in my life. He is. He's the Jamaican Leonardo da Vinci. That I agree. So here he is, Mr. Corey Rowe. What's going on, bro? Oh, 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 oh my bro. God. You guys are so kind. I just want to say thank you guys so much. Um, 
and I'm so excited to be here, to be a part of this. Yeah, what you guys have been doing, we're just highlighting just those ordinary things that people do on a consistent basis in an extra way that just accumulate into something massive and something very profound and impactful. Thank you guys. You guys have done that in your own lives and it's so amazing to see that you guys are shining a light on other people doing that. I'm excited to be here. You guys are some of my best friends. Um, I feel blessed and honored. So thank you guys for having me. Well, we're excited to be yeah. here with you. We feel exactly. the same way. So it's an honor to have this guy on our show. If anything, totally. I mean, I'm sweating. I'm fangirling right now. I'd never been on an advertisement <laughs> in Times Square because of my hot bod. So I've stood in front of an advertisement. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, I'm you. I'm I'm the biggest fan of you guys. Um, I admire you guys. I respect what you guys stand for personally. I love how you guys show up in the world and impact people. Um, a lot of who I am now and who I'm becoming has definitely been shaped by you guys. So. I feel just as much, if not more, guys. You guys are fantastic. The world is best to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad that we're all so in so much admiration of one another. It's a real blessing to have (laughs) people in your life like that that are so much better at different areas that you can have a mutual level of respect, a mutual level of excellence that you're striving for. So it's really a blessing. So I agree. So first off, why do you wear that red hat, Corey? Um, so one of the things about me, um, it's, it's not specifically the red hat. I like consistency. Um, I think like athletes have their different routines that put them in peak state. So if, if you could see it, I also have on the same socks, um, or the same type of socks. I like to keep as many things consistent. So I'm freed up to deal with the things mm-hmm. that are a little bit more dynamic. And, and this is one of the things I get to control. So in the morning, I don't have to really worry what I'm going to wear um, most times because I'm normally having a few variations. So for me, it's to free my mind up and to put me in that common space for me to execute. With you. Yep. So it seems like just a hat, but that's the mindset behind it for me. I, th- I figured Love it was it. a story. <laughs> totally. Anything, anything that wears, says, looks at, does, moves, it's all intentional. That's it. It's a melancholy <laughs> dream to not have to think about what you're wearing every day. Too many other decisions. Make. I love it. Too many other things to think about. I tell Callan all the time, I wish we could throw out 90% of our items. That's why I didn't have to worry about them. It just caused me too much. She asked me to clean the house yesterday, and I ended up literally, She we, we sold this piece that had like a bunch of drawers with some like just crap in it, where it's like just the stuff gets shoved in the yeah. drawers. So it all ended up on the, on the dining room table, and I just was paralyzed. I ended up, she asked me to clean up. I was putting... You like plastic utensils from different boxes in the same box. That's where I ended up and organizing that. <laughs> I said, I, I, she goes, thank you so much for organizing the, the plastic utensils. That's exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate. I can definitely relate. Felt important. I'm de- yeah, 100%. But anyway, let's hear about your, your background and your yeah, story. Man. I know that you're going to inspire a lot of people. I know that there is a lot that we can get into from your striving for excellence, your achievement. There's been a lot of challenges along the way with that. There's been some mental health stuff. There's been some. There's a lot of places that you can touch, especially being in an industry that can sometimes be a pretty toxic place to be for your own mental health. But we'd love to hear your background. I don't know if you want me to prompt you. We can run through whatever you think, however you want to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, let's start with prompting and then I'll patch in. Um, I think we have such a good relationship. You know a lot about my background. I think you can pull from totally. that. Talk to me about growing up in Jamaica and what informed who you are at your roots. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would even make it a little bit more localized. Um, within Jamaica, I would start by just speaking about my home. 
um, my parents and being around mm. them. My, my, my dad and my mom are my biggest heroes. Um, my dad didn't have a relationship with his dad. His dad passed on before he was here in a tragic car accident. Wow. And, you know, and I have always been amazed by how he was able to be a husband and a father to us um, in the way that he has without having that model in his life. And we all know that we all need to have some kind of model that we can look to, to for it to inform us. And I've been and, I, and he would say he was fathered by God sure. in a lot of ways. You know, I started, you know, inquiring a little bit into that when I became a husband myself. I know I'm thinking about being a father and I'm saying, how did you do it? Yeah. I know you didn't have a background. And he said he was fathered by God. And I definitely believe that that also is a part of my localized environment where I was growing in a very God-fearing home. Um, both my parents are preachers. So I grew up in a, in a very religious um, way, um, even though as I grew to have a more intimate relationship um, with Christ, it I shed a lot of the religiosity of that and the routines and rituals and developed a strong relationship. But a lot of my morals and ethics have been informed um, by that background. Mm. Um, so how I show up now in my relationship as a husband and my value system, you know, what I consider to be most important is definitely informed by that. And that later on, you know, became very important because as I strived for excellence and as I moved into different places that were, you know, had strong influences, I was able to have some rooted foundation, know what was most important. And it wasn't so much the external or the materialistic things or success um, in the way that more, most people defined it. Mine was mostly rooted in, you know, who you were as a person and how you showed up in your home and how you showed up in relationships and the impact that you're able to have on people in a positive yeah. way. Um, growing up in Jamaica, um, it was a very, I would say, underexposed um, community. I'm from a very small town called Carlisle, um, mm -hmm. St. Elizabeth. St. Elizabeth is a breadbasket of Jamaica. <laughs> um, it's one of those very rural mm -hmm. areas. And we didn't have much exposure. You know, we didn't, even to this day, there isn't a proper road leading to our home there wasn't wow. any running water system a little um, bit different than uh, where parts you live of the, now. It, it, it yeah it's very vastly different you know even parts of my community back home still doesn't have electricity so it, they, we didn't see much we had two tv um, stations if you had a tv to access those <laughs> um, so i didn't i didn't grow up seeing much of what i'm experiencing no but my parents were somehow able to create a space where they were able to build a foundation for me to stand on to see more and i think because my mom and my dad just had this sense that they somewhat wanted more for my brother and i that they did the best they could and sometimes that meant putting boundaries around the negative influences that were around us and curtailing um how we were able to engage with that and really just like letting us know that the highest value you could have is really just to have a relationship, you know, with your creator. And right. I feel like, you know, that really informed me growing up. Yeah, that's huge. Having a strong foundation in what you believe and knowing where your where your roots are is huge. A lot of people grow up and they don't have a true north. So growing up with a family that has a spiritual foundation, and again, we don't we don't care what people believe, but that makes a big difference on anybody. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So coming out of that, so you're now growing up in this place. How long? When did you move? How old were you, Corey? 
Um, so I started traveling. My first time outside of the country traveling was in 2000. You know, I came here for a summer visit. I spent some time with my grandma who lives in New York. That was my first stint here. And that was a very impactful trip because it was the first time outside of the country where I was exposed to this vast new right. world. Mm-hmm. And I was very young at the time. I was 10 years old. And I started to see things and engage um, with people who were very different. And that stayed with me. And when I went back home, after, you know, I constantly thought about what I had experienced and it radically changed what I expected from myself and from the world. I knew that there was more to the world than my community. And most persons in my community didn't have that background. And then, you know, life played out and there's a lot of gaps in between, but I started traveling independently when I won that competition that you mentioned, Fashion Face for the Caribbean, which is a prestigious prestigious modeling competition that I had no intention of entering. I simply followed a friend um, just to support her because she felt like she wanted to give this thing a shot. And the scouts and everyone thought I wanted to be there. And I said, hey, up short. I guess I'll continue to stay here if you guys think I have a shot. I thought it was hilarious. I mean, honestly, all the listeners accidentally won a few interna- a few national modeling competitions. I tried to win a free taco. I can't even win that. Competition. Guy shows up to support his friend uh, in the competition, becomes number one in the country. Uh, <laughs> I mean, How's your friend feel about that, them. Corey? Um, we aren't the closest <laughs> <friends>. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I don't I don't know. I don't want to speculate. I don't know if that has any bearing on it. But you guys you guys can take a shot at that. That's a tough pill to swallow when you bring a friend who's not competing and beats you. For sure. That's but, brutal. That is brutal. That is a brutal yeah, experience. Bro. I'm thinking of that in sports. So I go there to play baseball, try out for a team or something like that. And then my buddy's just on the sideline yeah. and they need an and extra person. And yeah, just need an extra person just on the field. Throws a rope. Oh, you want to be a pitcher? And then you lost your job. Like you lost everything you were working for your whole entire life. That's wild. Um, it's fun to make fun of that, but there actually is a seed of a really, really important question there. And it's something that I, I believe you've struggled with. I know that I have struggled with it big time, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. as you succeed intentionally or unintentionally, mm-hmm. you do lose friends. Mm-hmm. There's envy, yeah. there's jealousy, and sometimes people mm-hmm. don't even want to strive because of the negative feedback that yeah. they get. So I think, you know, turning it from while I would love to roast the whole time, I think a good (laughs) point here would be how do you personally deal with that level of ability, talent, persistence, work ethic? Because it's really all of those things for you didn't win the modeling competition because you weren't doing a lot of things behind the scenes. Of course. Good. How do I deal? Rephrase the question so I can have a bit of handle on it. How do you deal with succeeding and the negative emotions of people around you when okay. you win and you prosper and you succeed that envy that jealousy the loss sometimes of mm-hmm. relationships which is unintentional because we made a joke about it but to not mm-hmm. support someone mm-hmm. it, it can hurt that can be a painful experience mm-hmm. you know all joking aside mm-hmm. yeah um i would say it's two far, two two parts for that personally for me one um i would say leading leading with grace you know i've always taken the stance of seeing the things that I don't like in the world in my own heart Mm. and seeing the moments where I have been equivalently guilty of something like that. So for everyone, um, I don't want to make a broadband statement, so let me just keep it personal. For the times where I have faced, say, 
envy or jealousy or some form of negative reaction to me succeeding. Either I have succumbed to that and acted it out and be, become, became the perpetrator of that, or the seed was somewhere within me and the temptation was there to act on it. And I had to make a choice whether or not I'm going to act on it or stamp that seed out. So when I can see that, it's not confusing to me. Mm. Because when we all have this desire to be more and to do more, and we don't have the work ethic behind it, or we're just not as formed in our perspective in terms of understanding that we don't need to compare ourselves, we don't need to compete with others, we're on our own journey. The temptation will always be there to try and claw at someone who we believe is doing something that we want to do or have not yet done. So that clears up the confusion. So I'm not surprised by it. Because based on my own experience with it, I can understand why it happens. Now, how understanding that is one thing. Having the emotional Absolutely. and the mental fortitude to deal with what you know, understand. That's the second Amen. half of it. Yep. And, and I would say that, that that is where you try to surround yourself by people who would be happy for you. Right. And you hope and you, start and you start ingesting things in your mind and you start having the kind of perspective that keeps you positive. And then you have to understand too, like it's very hard, I would say, to the level that we all want to strive to become all we can be, to get there without losing. Sure. And unfortunately, sometimes that requires us losing friends and family and losing things in, within our familiar space. So I see it a lot of times, as hard as it is, as a part of the cost to become all you can be. And I try my best to make peace with that. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. big. You know, that's huge. A, that's a huge one, you know, because a lot of people, they, they start to maybe walk down the path or have, even just have an idea of becoming more or succeeding yeah. or pressing forward to become their God-given best. And that, those dream stealers, those people that their well-intentioned ignorance or the jealousy or the envy or those things that mm -hmm. feel like they're about you, but they're actually about the people projecting mm -hmm. them can very often stop people from moving forward, steal their joy, steal their dream, steal their future, steal their destiny. So that's big. Definitely. That's a big one. So, okay, so you started traveling. You accidentally won a modeling competition, <laughs> lost a friend, learned about yeah. success. <laughs> Where, are <we> <laughs> Where are we at now? Where are we at now? Accurate. Accurate. And I think, I think, you know, just to take it back, even, even there, they, a lot of it happened organically how I want. It was a major deal. Um, I was in college at the time. I ended up finishing up my college degree with, bio, with, with business management, but I started off doing biochemistry. Biochemistry was my major point to that point. My plan was to finish my first year in biochemistry, then move on to med school. My friend was actually in med mm. school. So that's how we were friends at that point. And because I won the competition, I had a choice. I could continue pursuing med school, which would leave me no room to explore this title, which is a 10-year running title, which is a proven track record of success for the person who have won it, who would have gone on to have massive success and exposure in the world, booking campaigns and covers and editorials all around the world. I had that option. Now, backtrack to my background. My background didn't support my, mm. it, my, my, my family didn't support me being in an industry like that. They were very proud of that I made it to university. One of the few persons in my community to do that. And then to produce and to pursue a traditional career as a doctor. So now I have, uh, I would say, an, an, a, 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 a fork in the road 
where I have a choice to go against what my parents and my family expected and to probably reconsider what I was already, already pursuing because I now have this title without any root beneath it. And I had a conversation with my, my family and I said, hey, a seed was planted in my mind. When I went to the United States, at 10 years old, I saw there was more. And I know that I can continue on this path and I can continue to go into med school. And it may turn out to be what we expect. But I believe there's something more out there. And I saw it. And this is my opportunity that I've landed contracts all around the world. We're talking New York, Paris, Milan. And I don't know what it will be like, but you guys raised me well. And even though I'm going into an industry that has all this reputation, trust that what you placed in me mm. is enough to sustain me in this period. And I said, hey, I'm gonna make a pack. You guys have been with me on this path. Let me switch my degree because I can't continue to pursue medicine because I need to be around for these labs and I can't be traveling around the world and doing labs. I need to be there physical. Let me do something online and I'll honor you mom and finish this degree that you wanted from me so much. And we made a pack, yeah. and they put a timestamp on it. They said, hey, we're giving you a run. Let's see how you play out. Let's see how you survive in this industry. And let's see if you're able to manage your college degree. And I went off and I did it. And when I came the first year here, and I was going to different agencies, I, my first period, I went to seven different agencies, and every single agency rejected How me. old were you at this time, Corey? I, I, was, I was 18 years old at this wow. point. Every single agency rejected me. The day started off at 100 degrees or something like that, Fahrenheit. I'm Jamaican. I get them mixed up. <laughs> but it was, <laughs> it was hot. It was hot. Even for a Jamaican, right? It, it, it was hot. And um, so obviously the day is sunny. You're not thinking about having any protection against the elements, the weather, the rain. You're just thinking about going out. I'm Jamaican. I got this. So I went out, my first interview, and before the day was finished, it was raining. I remember going to Wilhelmina, which was one of the biggest modeling agencies around the world, and they were my last appointment, and I walked in soaking wet because I was unprepared, and it started raining, and I had no six no's under my belt, and this was a seven, and I could hear the rocky music in my mind. I'm like, yes, this is how it's going to play out. I'm soaking wet. I look a mess. But it's the last mm -hmm. one, and I booked it. I get to tell everyone I did it. But why wouldn't I? I just won a modeling competition. I should be yeah. good. These are the same judges from these same right. industries, the industry agencies that said I was good enough. Right. Why wouldn't it be the case now? And they said no. Mm -hmm. And I made a pack with my mom, and I had to go back home. I went back home with my tails beneath my leg, metaphorically speaking. Um, you guys can't see me, so I just want to be sure. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> I love it. That was great. That was a good one. <laughs> so I went back home, and here now I have to face my family. I sold them on the fact that I could do this thing. And they all bought into the fact that I may have a shot. And my mom did something amazing. She said, Corey, you went, you did your best. I believe you tried. I'm going to start saving for your next plane ticket. Wow. In a year time from now, and I'm going to give you another shot. Wow. Yeah, that's huge. That was a moment where they could have said, born, told you so, but they didn't. And it cost my mom to do that because when the announcement was made, it was made nationwide where I came on TV, I did an interview, 
talking about my projection and what I expected to do. All her friends heard it and they criticized her because she was from that community that judged that industry. Wow. So she suffered persecution from her son leading into that. And she believed in me so much that she said, listen, I'm going to, it's going to cost me with my reputation and it's going to cost me in my pocket, but I'm going to save for entire years to make sure that you can pay that plane ticket and go give this another shot. Amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. That's, that's big. It's a testament to not only, it's not just parents, although parents are the first starting point for most people for someone truly believing in you, but it's the power of someone believing in you regardless of who yeah. they are and how that can totally change and shape someone's destiny. And I think if anyone digs deep enough in their thinking, their memories, their mind, that they will find that there's always one or more people that supported you when no one else did, that believed in you before you were anything, that gives you that fortitude, it gives you that ability, it gives you that foundation to borrow their faith in you very often before you have faith in yourself. That's so true. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. That, that is exactly what, what it was. And I've had many doors along the ways. Um, that's been like that. Yeah. Um, you guys certainly have been a part of that as well. And it's so important. And that's one of my greatest desires, mm. you know, to be what other persons have been for me. Yeah. And to be a catalytic in someone's journey too. Amen. Yeah. So you get home. So you get home. Your mom saves for another plane ticket. What'd you do that year? What happens next year? Um. So for that entire year, I spent it training. I've, I I spent it studying. I I made a list of all the things that I wanted to do in the industry. And for me, it wasn't so much about the industry because this wasn't a love that I had. But I knew it was my opportunity to be in an environment and to be exposed to more and to behold things that I could become. I knew that. And I knew that if I stayed in Jamaica, I would be limited by the opportunities that were there. And it would have been very hard for me to transcend and to be what I felt deep down inside I needed to become. So I was fighting for my 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 pivot, my springboard. Mm. And you know, for my entire career, I spent like seven years modeling. It was hard for me. It came unnatural to me. I'm an introvert. Um, it, it's not that I didn't necessarily believe in a lot of what the industry stood for. I saw a lot of things that I grossly stood against. But I knew it was almost the, the, the path I needed to go through with all the obstacles and all the things that I disliked to emerge at the end of that tunnel to be in a, the, the, the pastors that I needed to, to kind of set up the future that I did. And I would stand that and it was a tough. So that year I spent it preparing and the moment that I, I landed here again, I went to a few agencies, got a few no's, but then something miraculously happened. You know, I met Tyson Beckford, which is one of the, the most iconic uh, males for models um, in the world and has ever like graced the fashion scene. and. We met at an event and we got into a conversation and he was also catalytic for me as well. Wow. You know, he is part Jamaican and he said, kid, I think you have a shot. Wow. He said, kid, I think you have a shot. He says, take my number. I'm going to speak to a few persons and I'm going to get back to you. So he said to me, you know, promise me one thing. And I said what that was. And I, my assumption was it would have been some kind of compensation split. He wanted to be my manager and have some kind of compensation um, in terms of what I eventually went on to do if he made these connections with me. And he said, no, listen, I just want you to pay it forward. Yeah, that's awesome. That's crazy. I want you to pay it forward. And he made those connections. He followed through on his word. And a few months later, I got an email 
And that's when I landed my first contract and the ball officially got started internationally. Is that when you started to develop that bicep too? <laughs> um, but uh, just uh, really quick because Darian's too bashful to say any questions as we say on every episode um, but he had asked a good I'm question um, just about anybody that's going to change the, their and do something totally opposite of anything in their family like your parents were both preachers you were changing you were going into a very highly um, um, controversial. controversial you know industry against what you were grew up in and he had to ask is you know sometimes being the first in your family to do something big and different brings a lot of pressure how'd you deal with that you know um when you're because that was when you i don't know how old you were but around 18 years old right that's what we said before mm-hmm. so how'd you deal with yeah. that pressure at 18 um i think the the principle behind it and i've looked back on it a lot of times and to say i understand fully how i was able to do it it's hard. Yes, I had a supporting mom, but I think the main principle was during that period, even though it was hostile to some degree and I didn't have the support that I ideally wanted, there was something compelling me beyond where I was. And that was even greater than the, the, the difference in opinion that pulled me forward regardless. Okay. Mm. And a lot of persons have phrased it a, a different ways where they say, you know, if the why is strong enough, the how doesn't make sense. But I think it ultimately comes down to what you are standing for and pursuing being greater than the challenges and the disapproval that comes with it. Mm. Good. You're good. And I'm that bicep's you. good. The bicep's better than good. It is great. The bicep's one of a kind. <laughs> bicep's it. one of a kind. <laughs> Ain't nobody I'll got biceps it. like that. Most people I talk to don't say, when I'm, when I'm on holiday, I live at 6% body fat. <laughs> yeah. But when I'm competing... I live 0.01% above body fat number that would make me die. Yeah. That's my competing number. 3% body fat. Um, Corey, so just really quick, uh, I don't know if we've mentioned this in any other episodes, but Corey, we have an accountability group message with mm. Corey and a few other people like Alex, Matt, Steve, Anthony, and myself in that group chat. And Corey... Darian looks very left out. Right now. He can hear me over there. Oh, gotcha. I'm like, I'm like, Darian looks like he has the worst FOMO I've ever seen in my life right now. Darian's like, (laughs) he was silently (laughs) signaling. Um, oh, oh, so we're talking about this group chat, and it's like, hey guys, I did a good like. This is me. I did a good job today. I had falafel, tzatziki sauce, then I had cheese, a tortilla, and maybe. I had tater tots. Corey goes, great job, guys. You're doing awesome. You're kicking butt. Here's what I had. Peppers and the onions on a zero-carb wrap and chickpeas. Yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> I haven't eaten in 74 hours. And, um, you know, a few days ago, I ate my last piece of food, and I am good. I'm going to have I a just, green juice now. I just competed with the top 10 people on Peloton in the world. I beat all 10 of them on a 48-hour <laughs> fast. <laughs> Yeah, he goes, I'm liking this. I'm liking this thing. Peloton, 7,000 calories for 40 <laughs> hours straight. And I, I have fasted the last 77, so I'm just doing it. 
But I mean that account. Corey <laughs> Corey once told me his cheat meal for everyone listening. Just so you guys know, I mean he is a, he's a top tier trainer. He gets he's paid no joke. a tremendous amount of money per hour by people that have an unlimited amount of money to pay. Um, oh, also at the dog pound, he's known as Mister One Percent. I heard, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, but he said, "Yeah, my cheat meal is a handful of nuts. Yeah. That's my cheat meal." <laughs> <laughs> you guys are oh my we're god just, we're, we're making guys. we're having a good time with this but just being in that we're text with Corey time. though in general Amazing. makes me rethink some of my decisions when me i too. go to eat things so if i disappear on that group text for like two days i can't open it up because i can't face what's going on in there and i don't want to take ownership of it i'm like i'm just gonna have the two beefy Frito burritos from Taco Bell, a chicken quesadilla, mm-hmm. and then maybe a spicy soft potato taco. I'll come back to that text in three days. <laughs> Hysterical. <laughs> no, you guys are crushing it, man. You guys inspire me. So, Honestly. Well, we appreciate that. We you too. are a very good trainer, yes, Corey. Is. Why are you known as the Mr. <laughs> 1% at the dog pound? <laughs> um, so I started off. I started off saying one percent. I started off just posting one percent on my um my page. And Dalpon is a very Instagram gym. Um, so a lot of the, the clients and trainers they're you know very much involved in social media. And I didn't articulate what it meant because for me it was just my own personal accountability. And I and a lot of persons started you know making up their own narrative behind that. Obviously, like you mentioned, Dog Percent does serve a wide base of clientele. A lot of those persons are in the one percent, mm-hmm. um, based on where they fall in terms of income bracket or even just performance. Whether either they're an elite athlete or they're a well-renowned um, perform performance um, specialist in some division. Um, and I think a lot of persons started to, you know, affiliate my one percent with the crowd. But for me, it was just getting one percent better every single day was just the mantra and code of conduct that I subscribed to for myself. And coming from a very strong performance oriented, you know, temperament, you know, I needed to scale back to something that was a little bit more consistent so I could have grace with myself. And I felt that 1% knowing that I was kicking the needle forward was a good way for me to make progress, but still have grace. Knowing just like we're saying right now, you know, it's the embodiment of what's happening with just doing ordinary things, extra, getting 1% better every single day so it's the same philosophy and i started owning that and a lot of persons started subscribing to it i didn't coin the phrase Mm. but it's not so much about coining the phrase we all know that repeating quotes or using phrases is not where the power is it's where it now becomes embodied and the action is placed behind it amen so it's there for all of us you know to subscribe to and that's the way i kind of you know i miss a one percent Person thought I was just suggesting my body fat percentage, but no, it wasn't that. Yeah, no one, no one, no one said that, Corey. We all know you live at 0.5 percent body fat. No one would insult you that way. No. You the only thing, things. the only thing better than that answer that you just gave, Corey, was Darian's little yeah. victory dance gyration for how much he liked the question he sent us. <laughs> Darian is amazing. He is. He definitely is. Good oh book. Nicole is a little bit. Nicole is more amazing. Though, but, hey, nice. A lot of agree on that one. No. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> 
I read it's a it's an it's a good book. It's an easier read, but for anybody that you know, just the one percent getting better every day, or how to give grace to yourself as you grow, there's a book by Tommy Baker that I read. Um, it's called One Percent Rule, and it's a really good book. You, I don't mean I don't know where you could find it, but um, just to give a little bit more insight, to dive a little bit deeper into what Corey was saying, without going into the the deep end. Yeah, for sure. So pivoting a little bit from here, um, you know, I don't know where in this uh, timeline of your story, I know it's going to be close to next, and I don't know how much detail you want to get into, but the principle, I think, is huge. There was a point in your career that we've discussed that leadership didn't do the right thing. Yeah. You know, it was, it was betrayal, it was abuse of power in your life, and getting to a position where you have someone who's mentoring and leading you not do the right thing in whatever capacity it can very easily tarnish your ability to ever trust leadership again, which can cause such negative long-term impacts in your life. So that's something I admire tremendously about you as you moving forward for that to be mentored. But if, if you could talk about whether it be the specifics of that situation or not, really more so how you got to that point of overcoming that. You know, I, would, I wouldn't say I've overcame. Um, I'm in the process of overcoming, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And I think... You know, acknowledging that puts me in the position to stand guard to, so I don't fall prey to the residue sure. of mm. that betrayal sure. because I'm able to understand where I'm acting out of a trigger and a traumatic experience. And it leaves me to know, you know, even though emotions are at play, to override that with truth and saying that, hey, this is different. And sometimes, you know, when we go through traumatic events, Sometimes it plays out unconsciously sure. and we are blind to the effect and the repose and how it makes us somewhat avatars of that experience. And we, we, we react in ways not that we don't realize that it's not us, but it's what happened to us that's causing it. Um, so for me, it definitely, I won't get into the details of it. Um, and I think that's partly because I'm still overcoming. Sure. Mm -hmm. And it's it, whenever you have wounds, you have to be careful how you approach Amen. those yeah, for sure. because you can pick a scab off of a wound before it's ready and i think it is a story that when i'm in a position to talk about it i gladly talk about it because it's not an experience that is unique mm -hmm. to me and my heart bleeds for anyone who has had that kind of experience but the process if i should probably you know speak about what that looked like i think it's not demonizing other people who might share similar position because of what someone else has done. Sure. Because we, if when we do that, know we become paralyzed and we walk around with lenses on the world that don't give us a proper perspective. And if you look at prejudices and different biases and different stigmas and labels, that's where it comes sure. from. And it comes from a place where persons are completely afraid and with good cause. Yeah that they have decided to build stone walls around themselves and around their hearts. And by doing so, blocking opportunities from their lives and blocking what they can then give to the world. So out of that experience, it has been catalytic in the sense that I think, I, it, I know, because I want to speak very honestly and clear on this, it has made me better. And in hindsight, even though I wouldn't have asked for it, it has given me a mission and a mandate to not become the kind of person who would do that to anyone else sure, and not to abuse power. Um, because I think that's a very heavy burden um, 
for anyone to bear, the perpetrator and the victim of that. For sure. For sure. The consequences in our actions are always part of the action that we take. You know, one of my favorite Ralph Waldo Emerson writings is the essay on compensation, which talks about that you can't unwind the rose from the thorn. With every positive, there's a negative. With every strength in the animal kingdom, there's a weakness. And everything ultimately gets equaled out. It's just that very often the consequences are so far separated from the action that it doesn't seem like they're connected, Mm -hmm. but they always are. And it always engenders in us an ability to, if we're able to work through those wounds and traumas, which we're huge proponents for counseling and working through things. And I've gone through tremendous amounts of counseling and continue to do. And it's helped me have the marriage I have, helped me have the life I have, helped me unwind unwind a lot of traumas in my history and my family. I mean, I come from Mm -hmm. a lot of damaged people and hurt people hurt people, Mm -hmm. you know. And, you know, if you can get to the point, I feel, where you can empathize with the abuser as well as the abused and you can get to that spot where you can remember that people only perpetrate that when heinous terrible things have been done to them that it, it not that it excuses not that it says that it's okay but it gives you a different perspective on the entire situation a hundred percent and to sum that up it's forgiveness Mm, for sure it's really forgiveness And, you know, it, we have so many things to say about forgiveness, but it's there's power in that. Yeah. And I think forgiveness will be the door that opens us up to all we can be. For sure. You know, whether it's that forgiving people or forgiving ourselves. Yeah, it's always it's an easier thing said than done a lot of the time. <laughs> like anything. Like yeah, everything that matters. Always, yeah, like, yeah. like everything, like everything yeah. that matters. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a big one. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of that. So, at some point here, when did you find the success in the modeling? Because I know you you modeled around the world. You've had tremendous success in that place since the beginning of your career in modeling. When did that happen on this timeline here? Um, I think it started off when um, Tyra Banks booked me directly for America's Next Pause Top it. Model. Uh, I think it, um, did she call you? Started. Tyra Banks booked me for uh, America's Next Top Model. And I think that, that that might be the point. I'm not sure. Oh, okay, Corey. I'm trying to get just for like to to figure out how I'm going to utilize DoorDash next. So let me just let's just give every, all the listeners a summary so far. Grew up in a village, no running water. Use the water buckets to become an accidental model. Goes to a tryout for his friend. Becomes the nation's top model in the competition. Goes to New York City. Goes back, and then Tyra Banks is now calling him to be America's next top model. Just in summary, so let's after see. he already met the the world's most famous male model, like, correct? Like months before that, that says, "Yo, bro, I think you got what it takes. Let me give you my number. Let me make some calls for you." <laughs> Uh, something of the sort. Not quite, but <laughs> it's funny like that. <laughs> Highlight that's reel. That's it. That's it. <laughs> with a lot of with a lot of heartache. Of course, yeah, of course. It's still fun to say it like that, <laughs> yeah. though. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, Tyra Banks contacted my agent. They they were they want obviously they were doing another episode, it's like an eighteen, it's like a nineteen. Um, for America's Next Top Model, and they had this idea that they wanted to introduce guys to the concept. They felt like it would have been a time in in the running of the series that it would probably add some new flavor and spark, and I was one of the guys chosen for that. And 
how it played out. Um, it was a success on my on my you know wins. I had a good time. Kind of similar approach to what I took to the competition. I said, hey, I'm not gonna put too much pressure on myself. I'm just gonna focus on just having a good time and show up and do what these guys want me to do the best way I can. And how they did it, they how it works. Like post production is very different from real time. We all know that. Mm -hmm. And they spliced it in a way that gave me a lot of air time. It put me in a very good light. And a lot of persons saw that. The fashion community saw that. They respected um, America's Next Top Model. And that started a conversation in the industry. Persons wanted to know who this guy was, who this Jamaican dude, and why is he, he one of the first male models on America's Next Top Model. And how I was you know, kind of portrayed on it. I was someone in in the position to help other models. So they're like, okay, cool. Maybe he has some background and some insight. Right. Um, let's give this guy a shot. And it, one thing led to the next. Then I went on the cover of GQ, which was a huge <laughs> thing. <laughs> and then, and then, and, um, you know, it, it kind of started rippling, rippling down that, that chart. Uh, a few of the persons saw picked up then followed by then I had a fragrance campaign um, which is I would say for lack of the better word the envy of all main models in terms of what they want to book mm. um, to have your own fragrance and to be known for that and not only does you know, this guy look good but he sort... smells good around the world yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was a little bit of it but you know it, 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 that, that point I felt like I was at you know the peak of just the snowball. And then I would say the snowball came to a grinding end um, in the sense that I broke my foot before one of the biggest period um, in my career. You know, Ralph Lauren had called, called, wanted to book me directly for a campaign just after I finished doing Men's Health and Cologne campaign, cover of GQ. Mm -hmm. And Ralph Lauren was one of the goals that I set down because as someone new to the fashion industry, you don't know about all these different luxury brands, but everyone knows about Ralph right. Lauren. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I've, <laughs> everyone knows, I'm like, okay, I figured that that would be something good. <laughs> so I wrote that down. <laughs> and, you know, fast forward four years later, and on the heels of all this, the vice president called me and said, hey, where are you? You know, he found me on Instagram, sent me a message. I said, hey, I'm in South Africa finishing up some stuff. Um, trying to keep a cool head on it, trying not to <laughs> blow it, even though <laughs> acting very smooth and collected. But when he told me, like, hey, listen, once you're finishing South Africa, fly to New York, we want to see you. We have this great, great, great campaign that we think you'll be perfect for. And I felt like things were coming full circle because not only did Tyson Beckford got my career started, and he is the Ralph Lauren model of the, the century, wow. <laughs> I would say. Um, here I am now getting an opportunity to kind of follow in his footsteps. So I flew back here and then it was at that point in time, you know, I was kind of getting ready for that and I broke my foot. Wow. You know, I, I, I broke my foot going to the gym in the morning. I had the lights off. I tripped. I twisted my ankle, mm. broke it immediately. I took a picture and I sent it to them and I said, hey guys, I got, I have this injury. Um, I don't think it's anything serious. I haven't even gone to the emergency yet. I think it's going to blow over. The shoot's probably going to be in three weeks. I said, don't worry about it. Just want to keep you guys posted because I had the direct contact at right. that point. And it was worse than I thought. And that's when, you know, they had to move on without me because you are a part of the production, but the show must go yeah. on. Wow. I didn't and know that. The show moved. I didn't know that part I, of the story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the show moved on without me. And at that point, 
it was a huge low for me because I had given I had given all the money that I had earned up until that point to my parents. Wow. I had gone to Jamaica and I had places in a fixed deposit and I said, hey guys, thank you guys, thank you mom for everything, thank you dad. I'm at this point now where I'm looking at earning six figures and I know that from this point, just like what America's Next Stop model was for me, this would be the second wave of that. Wow. And all of that was stripped from me and it was tough. It rocked my faith foundation. I became very nihilistic um, within that period. Mm. I felt like it was just a grand setup for a huge fall. Mm. And I felt betrayed by faith. And it was a rocky road. <laughs> it was a rocky road. And that, that was a tough couple of weeks. But a lot came out of that as well. You know, I love the idea, um, Anthony, about Phoenix Manifesto. I love the idea of the Phoenix. Because I felt like a lot of those points, we talked about trauma, we talked about this unfortunate incident. I felt like that's when I burst into flames. But on the other end of it, I came out renewed. I came out with a sharper perspective. Mm -hmm. And just like I wouldn't have asked for that, now I'm in the position where I'm training all the top models in the world. I'm intimately working with the best raw form models. And none of that would have happened. And I'm happy with where I'm at Mm -hmm. right now. And it came full circle like, three months, two months ago, all these agencies that rejected me when I first came reached out to me. The number one agency that I dreamt of being with reached out to me directly, wanting me to come in. But I was way past that now. I had moved on to the other phase of my life and this wasn't a part of it. Mm. Wow. That's serious. It's amazing. It's a powerful statement for sure. When was that? What uh, year was that? What time frame are we in? 2017, all that happened. That was pretty recently. So when did we meet you, Corey? How far after that? 2017. It was like two months, three months after that, right? (laughs) You guys met me going through a lot of that. Yeah, two months, three months after that. Yeah, I remember. And that's a... Sorry, I cut you off, Corey. No, no, go for it. I was, just, I was remembering sitting at the table in Jamaica, in Queens. Oh, you were no, in Jamaica, Queens? Like, just when we were just sitting with him and Yanelli, his wife Yanelli, who's awesome, and they had some really good food there, and just getting to know you guys really for the first time, because, like, we got to know you a few for a few weeks before that, but to hear a little bit about that and to see where you were then, but now to hear the whole picture, that's mm. incredible, dude. Yeah. 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 It's amazing how we don't know the ripple effects of certain events in our life. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, and you know, you can, you can argue it's, it's cognitive bias and you're creating realities that aren't there just by the information in front of you. And you can go down that intellectual rabbit hole. But from my perspective, you know, from if you, if you do have a faith, it feels like when you go, when you look forward, it's difficult to have faith. But if you can look backwards, it becomes infinitely easier mm-hmm. to be able to see the mm-hmm. impact. Because when you break your ankle and everything that you worked for changes, that's like a faith-testing losing moment. But if you fast forward mm-hmm. three or four years out, it's a faith-building mm-hmm. story for the different trajectory Absolutely. it sets you on that might have been closer to your God-given destiny. Yeah, that's what Steve Jobs says. Uh, he said, well, 
he said in a speech, he says, it's hard to connect the dots moving forward, but looking back, you could then connect them and yeah. it makes everything yeah. make more sense and make it worth doing. Sean's got the same thing. He has car accident that, you know, at some point we'll talk more about, I think it was, you said 10 years ago or something. Uh, so we're recording this podcast, May 23rd, 2020. This would was May 24th, 2005. So it's 15 years this year. Wow. Wild. Wow. Same idea, though. Amazing. So we met you shortly thereafter at that turning point. Then. Um, yeah. Amazing. That is amazing. Amazing. But I'll add a few more to that because just to plot the timeline, looking back, at that point, I was working at another big box gym. I was working at Equinox. Mm-hmm. And when I came back, because I had stayed longer than I needed to, I got automatically fired for lack of activity (laughs) (laughs) because because i stayed an extra two weeks to shoot the cover of gq i'm like i'm not leaving right (laughs) i'm not leaving are you crazy i'm like we figured this out when we get back and when so i did that and when i came back they fired me because of inactivity and at that time you know they wouldn't rehire me so I had lost my job as a personal trainer and then everything I was working for as, as a model went. And fast forward, no, I'm no still training um, in a capacity far greater, um, more fulfilling than I was before. Mm-hmm. And no, the company that I ideally wanted to work with has not reached out. And I'm in the position to say, I'm so grateful and I'm thankful, but I'm on another path. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing for sure. Shawnee, you just want to let that settle for everybody? Yeah, let that sit. We'll be back in five. I'm kidding. Um, I'm like, five what? That's a lot. Five Five white claws? (laughs) (laughs) If we come back in five white claws, we ain't having a good episode. Okay, and we're back. (laughs) Um, I don't even know. I, I wanted to ask you about the tips and techniques that you have or you talked about on some of the things that you, you wrote to us prior to this was aim, learn, act, right? So currently, I don't know, I don't know where Anthony is going right now, but w- like what are some tangible things that you could help teach or give some insight on people for aiming for a goal? And if it doesn't happen, how they're going to learn through that and then what the next steps they could do to make that happen? Because you did that in 2017 and look where you are now mm-hmm. yeah a hundred percent i remember writing that down and the rubric really says you want to make sure that your aim is orientated in a way that's meaningful that's powerful that's rooted in what you want because if your aim is off then and you begin to proceed it's almost like having the wrong destination and beginning to drive yeah. so you want to make sure that what you're aiming for is something worth going towards so that's taking the hard work front end. And sometimes it's not very clear. Sometimes you're just taking the next logical step that makes sense. It doesn't have to be that final, you know, end point, but you need to have a goal and a direction and an aim that makes sense. And the learn and the act, it's not necessarily two different things. They're almost intermingled. They're somewhat simultaneous mm-hmm. because a lot of your learning will come from acting. Yeah. But you need to inform yourself so you can approach and move towards that aim and like we said originally you know we're saying like it's not about like knowing what to do it's the action that pulls us forward so and i remember saying that it's cyclical yeah 
And it's cyclical when you do act, you then re-aim and you reorient it and you make iterations along the way while learning and acting. And you kind of get your bullseye closer and closer to the target. And then you reach somewhere where you can then aim again and then you can learn again and you can act. And it's this constant evolution and growing. Mm-hmm. So that's just a rubric for it. And you can plug and play for almost any goal you have in mind and it will follow something similar. For sure. Well, for sure. No, for that's a that's a Ray Dalio uh, principle as well. You know, uh, he has like the swirl thing, but he defines it with a little bit of different mm-hmm. words. But you know, you learn, mm-hmm. you, you act, you do something, you learn, you inform, you act again. It's just the way that you go. And if you mm-hmm. continue to stay down that path, we all can accomplish really anything we put our minds to within yeah. the natural laws mm-hmm. of the universe. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I mean, you're not gonna maybe you know fly. Or will you? So, <laughs> we might be. Or will you? Or Maybe. Will you? Uh, Darian, since he... White Claw gives you wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is unofficially sponsored by White Claw. They just came out with a new variety pack: watermelon, lemon. It's delicious. <laughs> um, just, Amazing. just because we have Darian here, and I think this is really good for him to hear too, is that aim, learn, act. That's how you can improve your croquet game. Oh, oh love that's it. true. We'll see it's tomorrow. It's not fair because Darren doesn't have a no, mic. He has a mic. Oh, he, he does. use all it, right. first of all. Second of all, it's not really a low blow because he just insinuated that Darian could get better. So yeah. it wasn't a low bro. Well, <laughs> it's the tips and tricks. <laughs> oh, oh my God. that's so awesome. Uh, swimming back to the deep end of the pool. I have a few deep end things. I got my swimmies on, so I'm ready. I am ready. Oh, good. Everyone, uh, put your life vest on. Make sure that you have tested it and it is safe. But um, let's start with this. You know, you come from a Christian foundation and you come from a strong set of values and you spent a large portion of your teenage and adult life in an industry that quite, you know, um, stereotypically is the antithesis of Christian values. You know, you've been around a lot of eating disorders. You've been around a lot of people doing the wrong thing just across the board. If you could talk about how did you stay true to your values in those places? And when you didn't, how did you get through that? Yeah. um, I think Christian value really says that we're called to be salt and light in the world. And we're not called to be excluded from the dark places in the world Mm. because a part of our mandate is to go into these places that don't necessarily, and we respect everyone's values. It's none of that, but we are really called to go into spaces and to live out our values. And hopefully that is a light that persons can see as a point that beckons to them, that illuminates some perspective for them that they can find some value and truth in. So I started to reframe it and started to see myself as, you know, being placed in a space where I wasn't popular, but it was an opportunity for me to live out my beliefs and hopefully it would add to that space. So that was my, my, my perspective on it. And, you know, how did I deal with the, the adversarial nature of, of that in that, that space and how it conflicted with my values. It cost me. I mean, after my first, after my first major cover, I won't name the name of it. After my first major cover, we had a, a party to celebrate it. And a lot of the persons there who booked me, who was very influential in me getting the job, wanted me to do drugs, you know? And at that point, 
I knew that me choosing not to immediately made me uncool and made me an outsider, which mm. meant that it would have implication on how my career played right. out. And they didn't wow. book me for that job. <laughs> they didn't book me for that job because I didn't subscribe to what they were wow. doing. So it cost me. So I understood that to uphold the value, it will cost you. But your values need to be more than what you've lost. So you can stand by it. And in the moments where I've fallen, I've fallen many times. You know, I've fallen many times, whether it is just saying the wrong thing or, or, or lying or pretending to be, you know, what, what, who I wasn't. Or even being in shoots that made me uncomfortable that I felt like I shouldn't be in. And like anyone with a Christian value, you know that grace covers it. Mm. And you know that you're not defined by the times that you've fallen, but you are forgiven because you know of grace and you're covered in grace so i learned i used it as a way to buttress my values mm. by looking back on it and saying hey that's not the kind of cycle that i want to be in and that fall reinforced my current stance yeah because i don't i didn't want to continue to replay it at all wow. absolutely that's huge shawnee no mind blown i'm Sean's mind's blown on mute. Um, okay, <laughs> let's, let's pivot from there to talking about performance-oriented striving, um, which I know, <laughs> I know for you, <laughs> a big part, um, you know, and, and particularly in your industry, I, I'd say eating disorders are really tied to this performance striving. I, I subscribe to the belief that when you incentivize bad human behavior, you get bad human behavior even often from good people. Because when it's incentivized and you put that carrot out, eventually, whoever you are, the temptation becomes too great for the benefit that's being held out in many cases. So if you could talk mm -hmm. about that, that would be huge, I think, for a lot of people. So a lot of these topics are taboo and people just, they don't talk about them. And you're in a position now, Corey, where you are, regardless of your humility and your background, You've created a world-class level of success, and you do things that a lot of people strive to do their entire life. So speaking about those vulnerabilities, I think, is going to impact a lot of people. Yeah, uh, thank you so much. I mean, I suffered from an eating disorder. I mean, when you're in an industry like that, it, is, it requires the preparation of a world-class athlete if you're going to do it in the one percentile. Right. And, and anyone who has any kind of track record of working for the world-renowned brands, they're in the 1% in that field. And everyone is on their A-game because that's the only way you stay there. It's a tough apex to live at. And it means that your entire life needs to be oriented in a way that keeps you there. And in a physical, in a, in a physical way where the industry is predicated larger than how you look, that means, like we jokingly talked about, it, it means being very low you know, body fat percentage. And I developed an eating disorder because I just stayed there. And it, I was unaware of it. And I think it goes back to the idea of being so performance oriented where you now choose to do whatever it takes to win and to get ahead that you don't realize when the cost is too high mm -hmm. because you're now blinded by this target and this, this effort to get there. And I developed bulimia. And I didn't, I thought I didn't have um, bulimia as an eating disorder because the way I understood it wasn't the way it manifested in my life. So I always understood 
being bulimic as simply eating right. and then finding some aggressive way to eject food by vomiting. But that isn't the definition necessarily. That's a part of it, but it's not all inclusive. It's really binge eating, which I have done many times in that point in my life and finding some corrective mechanism and vomiting could be one of those. Mm -hmm. For me, my corrective mechanism was simply making sure that not only did I burn everything that I calculated that I binge eat, but I burnt everything that I should have. And if we've ever gone on a binge, we're talking thousands of mm -hmm. calories. So I remember I would go on a treadmill and I would burn like 3,500, 4,000 calories. And then, I'm, and then I'm fasting and then I'm going to work out after That's that. like a marathon. And then I'm going. You must, you must have been running like 15, crazy. 20 miles. I, I was sprinting. I was remembering and averaging sometime on one of those manually propelled machines, 60 calories a second, oh. 60, calories a, <laughs> 60 calories a minute. Yeah, yeah, 60 calories a minute. Yeah, 60, oh. 60, insane that's, that's, amount. That is ridiculous with an interval. amount of calories. Yeah. If anyone's yeah, ever walked on a yeah, treadmill, see how long it takes you to get to 60 yeah. calories. Yeah, it's manually propelled. So it's a, it goes as fast as you go. And I would do that in intervals. And then I would go on a week of juicing or a week of fasting prepped with juicing. And it was just an excessive correction. Sometimes it went into me using laxatives, you know, just to make sure that I lost water weight and water pill. And I thought that I was fighting for my dream and I was doing whatever it takes to correct a wrong I was doing. And while that might have been true, I didn't see the disease on it. Mm. And when I decided to break free, and this was also a learning point, and I think this is when my fitness radically changed and my relationship with food got better. When I decided to break that, because I, I read the definition and it hit me, and I know I had the choice, knowing that I'm suffering from something, was I going to let my performance orientation continue to let me sit in this condition, or was I going to do the hard work of uprooting this and making a change? Yeah. And I, God's grace, I had the courage to say, I'm going to make a change. And it cost me because at that point I had overeaten and it was simultaneously after that I found out the, the all-encompassing definition. I realized I was sick. I had a casting for one of the top underwear brands. And that's another coveted um, thing for male models. Right. Underwears, colognes, suits. That's where you of want course. to go. Wow. I know I have the yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. That means you yeah. gotta do it all. <laughs> if I can do underwear and suits, I am 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I am very versatile yeah. as a mom. I can't currently fit in my underwear or my suit. So just to even <laughs> talk about them, it'd be awesome. That's why we're doing a podcast and not yeah. a, a video cast here. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, so, and, and I had the, <laughs> the casting call, guys, in two days. And at my rate, of correction back then, I could get there and I could be ready. I could have a good shot to compete with the Apex. Mm. And, but if I was going to change my behavior and if I was going to heal myself, I couldn't resort to those tactics. Mm. So no, I had to find some way to do this healthily, but it wouldn't be in time for me to show up ready. And I said to myself, Corey, I would rather, and it was tough and I'm probably making it sound harder than, 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 it, than it was. I said, I would rather go in there and not book it than to go down this road and perpetuate something like this and to be in this constant cycle. 
And I went in, still hopeful, and I didn't book it. I lost out, and they never called me back for it. So I lost an opportunity permanently because they probably thought, like, this guy, no way. He is, he'll never get it right. Because when you're at that such a low body percentage, you're so sensitive that if you binge eat, you look the complete opposite by at least 5 to 6%. And with the standard that's in modeling, that's just unacceptable. Wow. That's crazy. That's just unacceptable. But that was the cost initially for me to begin the, down this path of a healthier relationship and breaking free from eating disorders like that. And I've seen crazy things. I've seen, you know, persons, male and female, you know, eating tissue, smoking cigarettes, just so they wouldn't consume cal- calories so they could say it thin. That's wild. That's wild. Is that the time that you, is yeah. that when you decided to go plant-based or were you already plant-based before that? That was the simultaneous decision. Yeah. I made one rule for myself. I said, this is my one rule. I'm not going to count my calories. I'm not going to try and correct it by exercise. I'm not going to go on a fast, a water juice, a laxative diet. I'm going to have one rule. And that one rule is the only rule I'm going to subscribe to. And that rule is the whatever I have, I'm just going to make it healthy. Yeah. Huge. And and that became the base for my freedom and the base for me being more consistent and having a healthy relationship and being free from this disease. I said, I'm just going to make it healthy. Even if it meant that I wouldn't show up in time for casting, even if it meant that I would probably lose money, even if it meant that I would have to deal with the criticisms and the stares of persons and my competitors and other models and just my agent having not the best things to say and me looking in the mirror and wanting to look away. One decision, I'm just going to keep it healthy. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a, it's a really big thing, you know, because, again, all joking aside, people constantly, whether they mean it or not, they will look at someone like Corey and assume that he always was like this. We all were always like this. No one is ever in a position without overcoming and striving. And very often in this, this trajectory towards success, especially high world-class levels of success in any industry, one of the levels that you need to typically get over is that performance-oriented posture and being willing to sacrifice your values for that success. So I think that's going to help a lot of people, Corey. I appreciate you Huge. sharing that. Thank you, guys. Um, Red Bearded Leprechaun, anything that you have to share? I don't. <laughs> he cut Fair. his beard. He I cut, cut his my beard. beard. Red Bearded Leprechaun. It's br- I love currently, it. it's brown. So Corey, Corey Rowe may win world-class modeling competitions, but ain't nobody beating Sean in a beard competition. Not up in here. Nobody. Well, I think that's nobody is very <laughs> used very loosely here. But nobody in my personal sphere. I don't think. No. no, but I am. Um, I mean, no one is. I've just. I've enjoyed. I, I enjoy any time talking to Corey, um, but I've enjoyed this time so far. So, Ant. Yeah, he's. He's deep. He's a deep dude. I enjoy talking to Corey myself. So his deep like his ab. His yeah. Mm. Yes. The the crevices between his abs are deeper than most. That is a definite fact. Darian shaking his head. I mean, really? you know, worst. I mean, worst case, Corey. Every time you lose a modeling gig for your values, you could always double at a party 
to use your abs as a cheese grater for someone else's nachos. <laughs> <laughs> that, listen, that's all the consolation. You, are, you will bring so much joy to a bachelorette party by people shredding cheese on your abs for their nachos. That's just a win. That's just a win. I'm just kidding, everyone. Just kidding. Got to keep it light. Darian, don't give me those eyes. Wow, Darian, relax. Darian, this is a judgment-free zone, Darian. What you? It's like... It's, <laughs> Just because we're talking to a world-renowned athlete, oh uh, a gosh. personal trainer, doesn't mean we don't treat this like Planet Fitness. Holy no cow. grunting, no <laughs> judgments here. Come on, man. We're Damn just it, kidding, Darius. <laughs> this is this has been amazing. We're definitely. I have a bunch more stuff. We're out of time, so next time we're oh, going to This is going to be a sure. two, three, four. Oh, no banger. doubt, no doubt. You're a repeat guest for sure. Um, anything, <laughs> anything you want to promote, anything you want to do, how do people find you? How do they follow you on Instagram? Anything at all in the world you want to say in the last 60 seconds here? I want to promote extraordinary podcast. <laughs> okay. A little bit of extraordinary excellence. You, yeah. you could talk about extraordinary excellence podcast any day. I ain't mad, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I say I say I support you guys. You know, you're already subscribing. You're hearing this. Definitely be a friend. Share it. Let other people know. Spread the word. And because we want to celebrate what's right in this world, and we want to celebrate the way that massive success and legacies are created, which is simply doing ordinary things consistently in an extraordinary way. Amen. So that's it. That's Amen. what I want to promote. You can find me on Instagram, uh, Corey Rowe. Corey Corey Definitely find him. K-O-R-E-Y dot R-O-W-E. It'll be in the show notes. And lastly, I had an idea. Everyone that listens to this podcast, and we'll post it on our Extraordinary Excellence page and everything, which you should make sure you follow on Instagram. If you have any questions or anything that Corey didn't cover you'd like to ask, we'll pick one of them, and we're going to tack it on the beginning of the next episode. Proud of you, brother. We love you. We're thankful Ooh. to have you in our life. Yeah, man. We're thankful to have you as a friend. We're thankful to be in business together with you, and it's an honor and a privilege to know both you and Yanelli, and we can't wait to see you again soon. Give you a big hug. Yeah. We love you, brother. <laughs> Thank you so much. Love you guys. Thanks for having oh, me, guys. Anytime. Pleasure. Thanks for being here. Love you, bro. Love you, man. All right. All right.